Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome. Join me, Todd Tononi, serial entrepreneur, number one international best-selling author of A Man's Journey and seasoned self-growth strategist. My purpose is to help people create deep relationships by really connecting with presence and intention. Welcome to The Right Intention. Thanks for joining us today. This is Todd Tononi, and I am really honored to have the guest on that we're having today. Uh, joining us today is Dean Ennis. He's the managing partner at Your Best Life Now. It's an organization helping people. Um, they have four core things that they teach, which is finance, family, fitness, and faith. And they really maximize, they talk about maximizing their best life through coaching community and uh, once in a lifetime experiences. His unique background of business, law enforcement, martial arts training, at his core, he's an economist. And it gives him a rare perspective that enables him to really guide entrepreneurs, CEOs, and other top executives to new heights. He is someone that is one of my mentors and coaches, and quite frankly, has changed my life the way I think about things personally and in business and analyzing them rather than just jumping into them. And I've been waiting to uh, get him on the podcast. Uh, Dean, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit better than I did and tell us a little bit about yourself and let's dive right in. Hi, Todd, and uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak with your audience. Uh, my hope today is to bring value to them. You know a little bit about me, and after I spent 36 years in corporate America and being retired for the last four and a half years, I've been able to do things that I like. And, and one of the things that I truly enjoy and love about my life is I get to invest time and my previous knowledge to help others do things better and faster than I did. 
I was also lucky to have some great mentors in my life. And, you know, before, way before that movie came out about pay it forward, these guys taught me to do that. And I think that uh, that's an exceptional way to live life. You know, when people do things for you without expectation, that you should pass that along without expectation. And I've been very, very lucky in my life to do that. I, I, uh, I worked really hard when I was younger, started working when I was 12 did various jobs in Wyoming and uh, was able to do fairly well in high school and ended up getting a full ride debate scholarship to the University of Wyoming. And so I got the opportunity to interact with people all over the country, uh, debate and take both sides of very difficult issues. And those difficult issues taught me that there's no one perspective that's correct, but you should always be able to look at the other person's perspective to have an equal ground or footing to respect what they have to say and to maybe learn from them and to teach them. And so, you know, after studying martial arts for 40 years and, and learning a little bit about discipline and, and self-control and then studying how to persuade people and look at different perspectives, I uh, was able to uh, have some really good success in the business world and negotiate large deals and operate with, uh, manage and be the president of uh, an operation that had a billion dollars in assets. I had leadership positions with the Texas Mortgage Bankers Association and with the National Mortgage Bankers Association. I also did some very good uh, boards with charity organizations like the Boys and Girls Club of America and the Boy Scouts of America. I was able to have some success in fundraising and leadership in those organizations. And now I bring that to YBL, which is the company you mentioned, and uh, 10 other companies that I'm involved with that I'm either an owner or part owner. So there's a little bit about me, Todd. Well, <clears throat> thanks for going a little deeper. I learned a, a few more things that I didn't know. And I think that's one reason why you and I get get along well and have been able, been able to connect is it's really about that contribution factor. And um, I am a member of YBL. And uh, like I said, Dean is one of my coaches and mentors, and we've been able to really connect very, very deeply on um, a business and personal level on these on these trips and events and and boy we've had some fun one of the reasons why i wanted to kick you off is one of our first uh episodes this season was you know if you look around in the united states right now it's kind of kind of interesting times uh with an election year coming up and the economy and inflation and it's really kind of setting things up and teeing things up for success and my first um question I'd like to throw out at you as an economist, I'd like you to give our listeners your views on the current economic climate in the United States and really the entire world. What's the future look like? Well, I think that um, the one thing I would tell your audience is that the media that they get exposed to economic briefs and uh, analysis from has a an agenda. And so my thing that I would tell people is, first and foremost, never look at one source. Look at multiple sources, get multiple sources of information. You know, listen to MSNBC and listen to Fox and then get independent cooperation from agencies like the government CBO or even the Dallas Fed or, you know, other economists and then make a judgment. Because the thing that I can tell you, I'll give you a couple of stats that'll probably shock you. 
You know, a lot of times during election uh, situations, politicians love to talk about the deficit. Oh, the deficit's out of control. Oh my gosh, we've done all this spending. And, and right now, specifically, if you listen to Trump or some of the Republicans, the debt's out of control. We have to stop this spending. Well, they're only saying that now because when Trump was in office, he had tremendous spending and he raised the deficit as well. I think that the key to this is not necessarily the deficit number, but what it costs us as U.S. citizens. The interesting thing to note is that during the 90s, our deficit was about one third of what it is today. However, the debt service cost was twice what our debt service cost is now. So put that in perspective. We owe three times as much money, but we're paying less than half for it. So if you're a business, Todd, and some of the things that we've talked about, and I said, Todd, you know, as a business, you can get money at 2% and you can't even earn 2% anywhere. So you can borrow money at 2%. What would you do? Borrow the hell out of it. Right. And so if we're going to complain about what the government does, let's at least look at why they're doing it. And one of the reasons they do it now is because they can do it at a low cost. Let me assure your audience that as soon as debt service cost starts going up, that they'll make changes because debt service is a large component of our national spending. So you basically have, if I were to break it down into three main categories, you have military, social programs, and debt service. And so with those three components, when any one of them gets exorbitantly out of control, it puts pressure on the ability to deliver the other two. So let's say uh, our debt service cost goes up by twice as much in the next year. The Democrats are going to go, oh my God, we have to either raise taxes or curtail spending because they won't be able to deliver social programs, which is the preeminent, the reason why they get voted into office. Now let's look at the other side. The Republicans go, oh my God, debt service is going up. We have to do something. We either have to raise taxes, right? Or cut spending. Well, we can't cut spending in the military because that's the infrastructure that they support. So the reality is right now, the government's borrowing because it is cheap. So as soon as it's not cheap, they're going to start being fiscally responsible because they have to, not because they want to, but because they have to. So that's the first thing I would tell you. Everybody panics about debt. I don't necessarily think they should be panicking. I think they should just understand what's happening and then talk to their representatives, okay? The next thing is the dollar valuation. Everybody's like, oh, the dollar's not worth anything. It's crumbling. We're gonna have digital currency and everything. Gotta have the gold standard. Well, all that's crap. I'm just going to tell you this. The dollar is incredibly valuable, not only because it's the international currency, it beats Bitcoin, it beats the euro, it beats the Chinese yuan, it beats all of them. You can go to, and you have been with me, you can go to Greece and use dollars. You can go, go to Peru and use dollars. You can go anywhere and use dollars. And as long as it has that kind of value, then you need to understand that you're going to have variances but the, the dollar is still going to stand up internationally. The next thing we could talk about would be inflation. Okay. I think that even though the government is telling you how low inflation is right now, and it is fairly low at 4% based on the way that they calculate it. And the way they, they calculate it is not extremely intelligent. Inflation right now doesn't include the cost of food and fuel. And if I were to tell you what most Americans need and spend money on, 
It's gas and food, right? But the core inflation that's quoted to everybody on the news does not include either one of those. And it's by design. So that's why I always say, don't just listen to the news, do some research and understanding. In 22, inflation was, they were saying it was nine to 10%. But in fact, in fuel and food, it was in the upper 20%. So even now when we've gotten inflation under control, the true damage is still hampering our economy. And this is where people need to understand. Wages have gone up between four and 5%, which is a fairly good clip, okay? But let's say it's done that for the last two years. So that's really an overall increase in wages of seven and a half percent. But in 22, their real costs went up 29%. And through 23, their real costs still went up 4%. So you do the math. Despite the fact of us telling people inflation's under control, they're still having problems paying their bills, even though their wages are higher. And the truth is, it's because real inflation is not disclosed to them. And when they go to the grocery store, they're not paying $1.99 for a pound of ground beef. They're paying $5.25. And their wages went from $10 to $10.75. You do the math, Todd. I know you love math. Does that work out for most people? No, and it's be, you know, it's funny living in Texas now. I'm I'm a big fan of HEB. And uh Wow, just to shop for a few days, like I got a uh, a bone-in ribeye the other day, like 30 bucks. Crazy. And it tasted good, but you know, holy mackerel, it's uh it, it's 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 getting more and more challenging for, you know, middle America and really anybody to survive. What do you think the most common financial pressures are that that people are going through right now? What are they today versus the last 10 years, do you think? Well, I would say a couple of things. Number one, real estate. And this is the other thing that people don't realize. The cost of real estate, the cost of food and fuel, okay, and wages. Okay, so that combination has caused challenges for the middle America. And let me tell you, when a president sits and gives a speech and says, you know, when I sit at the table with normal folks, they tell me everything's going better under my administration. And I'm going to say this, because he just gave a speech yesterday on how well Biden economics is working. And I'm going to tell you, despite the fact that I said, I understand why they're borrowing debt, inflation and debt has a negative impact on how Americans live. And the biggest problem that has really shown its ugly head over the last Uh, 18 months is the fact that Americans who had a savings account because of COVID, they weren't going out, they weren't doing anything. So their savings grew. Then they got money from the government for COVID. The government infused a ton of money into the economy for those people. Their savings blew up. So in, in 20 and 21, Americans had the largest savings they'd had in 30 years. Well, in late 21 and 22, that savings evaporated. So it's gone. So what's happened in 23? Americans owe the largest amount in credit card debt ever. It's $1.1 trillion. And the impact of the government raising interest rates at a pace from 22 to 20, the, the beginning of 23, at the pace that they did, exacerbated that problem for middle America. Because now, not only do they owe $1.1 trillion, but they're paying the highest interest rates they've paid on credit since the 1980s. Average interest on credit cards, 29%. Yeah, it, I was going to say mid to high 20s. What would your suggestions be 
on our listeners out there that are one of these people that's sitting on a lot of credit card debt. If you are someone that was sitting on 40, 50 grand in credit card debt with these high interest credit card payments, what would your advice be for them to get out from underneath this so they could pay more than the, uh, you know, just the interest every month? Well, here's what Americans aren't going to like because Dean's going to give them advice that he's given to customers over 40 years. When I was in lending, I dealt with this problem forever. So it's not a new problem. People have very little control over their spending. So the first thing that I tell people is set a budget, set a budget and live by that budget. So in other words, until you get grasp on this, don't be going to McDonald's. Don't be going to these places. Spend your money at home. And, and look, I know everybody's going to tell me, oh, I don't have any money. You have any money. I can guarantee you, Todd, that if I make them bring in their debit card statement, they'll be remiss at how much wasteful spending they have on it. Because all they have to do is go click. They put their phone up. They go click Apple Pay, click, click. They don't feel the spending. And they do not understand in order to have a benefit there's going to be a little sacrifice involved. And Americans at their core hate to sacrifice everything. We want everything now. We want it quickly. And this is evidenced by the fact through 23, they took out all of their spending, all their savings. They've increased their credit card debt. And you know what? Christmas time, guess what they did? Spent even more money. So the advice that I give the Americans, get on a freaking budget. And then pick the highest rate credit card pay the minimum payment on all your other credit cards and throw any extra in your budget on the largest one. When that one's paid off, go to the next one. When that one's paid off and you accelerate your payoffs and you reduce the total amount of interest in a fashion that will blow your mind because credit cards used to be set up never to pay off. Well, one thing the Fed did in 2008 that I loved is they raised the minimum payment on most credit cards. So you took the 30-year amortization down substantially. That wasn't enough, but they did that. Now, if you stop borrowing and you start paying even that extra that you find on your statement, I don't need to rent. I don't need to buy, eat out. I don't need to do that stuff. The average American spends over $50 a week on coffee and lunches. And if they took lunch from home and bought coffee at 7-Eleven for 99 cents, they'd save over $200 a month. That's the average American, not not a person that can afford it. $200 a month applied towards one credit card would reduce the interest rate or their cost of carry and accelerate their debt reduction. So that's the first thing. Second thing, don't buy a car. Cars are the worst thing that you can buy. Number one, the payments are outrageous. They amortize it to the point where there's zero value when you go to sell it or trade it in. So there's no trade-in value. So it's the worst investment you could possibly have. So now over the last year that used cars have gone down over 40% because now there's supply, buy a used car. Deal with it for a couple of years until you're financially in a position where you can start investing in your future and liquidate debt. And I know that people don't like to hear that, but if you're a real man and you want to take responsibility of your family or you're the head of a household and you want to do the same, then take responsibility for it and make some changes. They're very uncomfortable at first, but then they become very comfortable. When you see your debt start going like this, people start to get excited. They start taking ownership. It's the same when you're not investing in automatic investment vehicles, especially for Americans. If they took that extra money once their debt's paid off and put it in their 401k and their employer matches it, most of them have the opportunity to be millionaires by the time they retire. They refuse. 
only 33% of Americans take advantage of corporate 401ks that are sponsored. And the vast majority of them add money to it. So in other words, if I had 3% of my income and my company matches 3% and I give it to the 401k, my tax is reduced by that 3%. So I save money there. And I just made a 100% investment return because the company matches it, plus any investment return that comes from the, the savings. And what I tell most people is after the first iteration, they never miss it because then they'll get a raise. And if they take part of that raise and put it in their 401k and spend the rest, they feel good about it. And as soon as the second year rolls around and they see how much money that grows, guess what? I don't have to convince them to do it anymore. They do it on their own. Yeah, it's all compounding. And it's so interesting in different businesses I've been in over the years, I would see people you know, making a good wage, making more than a living wage, bonuses, et cetera. And they, they, they would need company advances. And you saw, and they were smoking and they'd come in with one of the fountain sodas. And I have, as I'm sure you do, have friends at work at um, these uh, gas stations. You know, the one of the most profitable things you can get is these fountain drinks because it costs them literally just, you know, two cents and they're charging like 99 cents or more for a big gulp. And they're always eating out. So you've got this whole compounding of bad spending habits. And you're so right with people going out to eat at lunch. Why don't you pack your lunch? Because it really is kind of pulling all that back and, and tightening, tightening your bootstraps, so to speak. Are any of the, I, you see a lot of these kind of, you know, credit or debt consolidation companies like Eliminate Credit Card Debt. For someone that has a lot of credit card debt, does it make sense to get with one of these companies to eliminate it or negotiate debt down? Well, I, I think that the first thing that you need to realize is what they do. And uh, even though lenders will accept those programs, this is what they do. They don't do anything miraculous and they charge money for it. What they do is they go to the creditors and say, hey, look, if you don't accept this debt repayment plan, this, this customer is going to file bankruptcy and you're not going to get anything because you're unsecured debt. So the creditor says, okay, we'll accept the settlement. Okay. So then they collect the money from the borrower and they pay the debtors. And for that, they charge between 15 and 20%. Okay, so you're paying them to do what you could do individually. Plus, your credit is going to reflect that you did not pay 100% of your debt. It will be called settled. Settled debts are far less beneficial to your credit history than paying your debt the way I recommended you pay it. To me, they're convenience options for people that have no control. The other thing that I've noted about that is once they use that program and they're out of the program, if somebody gives them credit cards again, they do the same behavior. So to me, I hate those programs. I think that they charge money for a service that you could do on your own. And secondly, I don't think that they change behavior well. What they do is give people in America another excuse not to do what they said they would do. You but get a credit card. You say you're going to pay it back. You get a loan you say you're going to pay it back. When I was young, you're only as good as your word. If you don't follow through on your word, that tells me a lot about your character. Now, that being said, Todd, there are people with unemployment issues or medical issues that are things that are way beyond their control. That is what bankruptcy was created for. 
not for anybody to use it, but for catastrophic events that cause you financial dismantling. And I have no problems when situations like that come up and they use that vehicle for that. Unfortunately, like everything else in America, it becomes a system to evade responsibility. Only 15 to 20, maybe 25% of bankruptcies are justified. The rest are because attorneys advertise, you don't have to pay all your debt back that you borrowed, that you spent, you know, don't deal with collection calls. Well, let's think about that statement for a second. If you're getting collection calls, why are you getting them? People don't just pick up the phone and make collection calls. It's only when you didn't meet your responsibility, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm tired of a whole generation that my generation created because I'm a boomer and we tried to, I saw my friends have kids when they were younger and they coddled them and gave them everything because we had to work really hard for what we had. And now we have a generation of people that don't feel it's their fault for anything that happens to them. And they don't feel they have to live up to their responsibility, even though they want everybody else to live up to their responsibility. That doesn't work for me. I completely were, were cut from a different cloth. And when I had the financial devastation in, in my previous business, uh, when we had an exit of licensees and them not paying us, we were $4 million in the hole. And anybody in their right mind would have just filed bankruptcy. And I looked at it and I said, no way, this is not the way that I was raised. And as you know, through a lot of um, help from you and just changing my mindset and repaying all these debts, was able to clean that business up and you know transfer and, and sell it to uh, to my family, which was which was great. Now, well, you know, you know, Todd, you you mentioned that, but see, that's the kind of situation that I believe it was actually set up for. Something that was totally beyond your control that left you devastated. And it's just a credit to your character that you went beyond that. It, it, and thank you for that. As we, we get into go in a different direction here with the, the credit and everything like that, I think that you know spending less and paying down the highest credit card debt obviously makes sense. Is there anything out of the box, anything unconventional that you could think of for saving money that people might not be aware of that you haven't covered? in other than, you know, spend less and pay the high credit cards down? Well, you know, uh, the beautiful thing about today's economy is when I got out of school, there was really only two ways to become a millionaire. And, and then there was fringe, right? The one way was through real estate. Everybody said, you got to be become a millionaire through real estate. And the other way was to inherit it. Well, I was SOL on both. You know, my parents weren't very rich and, and I had to work my way for everything I had. And, uh, you know, I wasn't able to start purchasing real estate until my 30s, right? The beautiful thing about today's economy is if you're willing to make some personal sacrifice in time, we have things like side hustles that are very flexible, you know, uh, being an Uber driver or, or doing some of that. We also have the ability to uh, collaborate with somebody and come up with an app a useful app and an app that takes you some time to develop with a partner that's willing to invest their time and skill with your idea. Sometimes you can make a, a substantial amount of money on that. There's also things that you can do that I, that I like, and that is things that you have now that are valuable to others, you can liquidate. And you can do that fairly easy via the internet. And it's something that we didn't have before. You may have something in your garage and unless somebody was deliberately looking for it, you wouldn't have that exposure. So I would say there's ways to make money. Number one, side hustles. Number two, assets you, you currently have. 
Number three, and this one's important because one of the things I also recommend when I say debt reduction, and I talked to you about this, is getting together six months of bills uh, of uh, nest egg so that you can handle emergencies. Because emergencies sink families in America. You know, they, they blow out an engine on their car and, and that sinks them because they have to put it on a credit card. And all of a sudden they have this debt that they didn't have that was beyond their control. Those are the types of circumstances that I really feel for. Not just going to buy new clothes, but you have a family, you're trying to feed them and your car breaks down. What the hell, right? Well, the only way to protect yourself against that is to start developing this nest egg. And usually I recommend people get to three months first, then to stretch it to six. And one of the benefits of our current economy where interest rates went up is now you can actually put money in the bank or in a CD and earn interest. What a concept, right? At a pace of 5%. It's not a lot, but it leverages over time and it's something they can do. The other thing that I always recommend is, you know, if you have a credit card and you use a credit card, find a credit card that has a cash back. If you do this, and this is one way where I think credit cards can be used efficiently, Todd, if you did all of your spending as a family on the credit card, and you had a credit card that pays 3% back, okay, and you spend $2,000 a month on everything on your credit card, you pay everything out of your credit card, and you pay it, you get 3% on that, okay? Now, it doesn't seem like much, but it's $60 a month, right? And then you pay that credit card off at the end of every month with the money that you would have used to pay all your debts, right? Because now you're not using it as a credit card. You're just using it as a method of payment for all of your bills that gives you an itemized payment schedule. So it's like your debit card statement, only better because your debit card doesn't pay you cash back. So if you pay the credit card off every month, you pay zero interest, you get 60 bucks. That's $720 a year. I mean, if you do that, every little thing that you do can change your game. And, and I'll tell you a little story. You may not want to hear this or not, but my dad died when he was 57. I was 36. My dad was a typical American. He, he didn't have a good plan for his future. Didn't have a good retirement set up. Didn't have that kind of stuff. Didn't have a lot of debt. But when he died of cancer... Um, my mom didn't have anything. So thank God I was able to be in a position where I could help my mom and uh, still do that. But the reality is it changed my life because it opened my eyes to the fact that something could happen to me at any time. And where would my family be? And I would ask any man out there or any household, head of household, whether it be a woman or a man, I don't care, to look at that circumstance and say, what would happen to my family as the primary wage earner if I died tomorrow? And if that doesn't open your eyes up, then I can't help you. And what I would say is once that opens your eyes up, like it did with me, I started planning and little things back then when I turned 56, all of a sudden were big things. For example, the place I was working when I changed jobs in 1999, right after my dad died, and that job change was because of that, but I had a 401k. And that 401k had $39,000 in it. I have not added a penny to that, okay? I looked at it yesterday and I manage it once a year, make sure it's in the right place. It's worth $289,000. And I haven't touched it. 39,000 
$1,000, now $280, without adding a penny to it. Now, since then, I have two other 401ks with the two employers since then, and they are substantial. But because of that little change, I changed my life, right? If you start using that credit card method just from that one thing, and you put that $720 into an investment vehicle, after 20 years, you could not believe what the value would be. And that's just one change costs you zero money doing the same thing you do today. So that's one change. That's huge. And um, obviously you started in law enforcement, grew up in Wyoming. What do you think the one most significant financial challenge, challenge you've ever faced and how you overcame it? How old were you? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, when I got out of college, I was 21. I had a car payment like most college kids when they got out, right? Because I had been working and I started in law enforcement and I was making 15. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thousand a year. Got shot at a couple of times, terrible shift work, all of this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, why the hell am I in law enforcement? Right. So one of the things you come up against is you can live paycheck to paycheck. And that's what happens to most Americans. And that's why I can really speak to the average American, because not only did I work with them, but I was one of them. Now I'm not. So I can tell you how not to be what most people are today. And that's why I said, I give you that one little piece of advice, but here's another piece of advice. Look at your car insurance and go from $500 deductible to $1,000 deductible. See what the difference in your premium is. Stop with stupid subscriptions, Netflix, Apple TV, uh, Spotify, all of those things. Give that up for two years. That's another $600. Change your insurance. That's actually huge right now because car insurance everywhere has gone through the roof. That's another reason not to have a brand new car, right? You can have an older used car and not have to have comprehensive insurance. That changes. You know, most people are paying over uh, $1,500 a year for their car insurance on one car. They have multiple cars. Think about that. They're paying $400 a month for car insurance. If they had two used cars, their car insurance would drop to $50 a piece for liability only because they wouldn't have to insure the full value because it's not, doesn't have a lien on it. Okay. So that takes them from 4,500 to 1,200. So already I've given you a way between the 760, the insurance 
and some other things to put 300 to $350 more in your budget a month. Liquidate debt with that, it accelerates things. I got very good at that. On your home mortgage, if you get paid every two weeks instead of twice a month, and that's a big deal, right? Twice a month is 24 pay periods. Every two weeks is 26 pay periods. If you pay your house payment every two weeks instead of twice a month or monthly, you shave seven years of payments off the back end. Seven years, Todd. I just gave you ways on a current budget where you can change your life if you choose to. The normal American, the person struggling with their bills. You know, I sit up there and I listen to all these coaches and these millionaires and they want to tell everybody how to be a millionaire. Well, let me tell you this. We calculated how many people have $5 million on the planet and it's 0.00037. So anytime you're watching TikTok or anytime you're watching these... Uh, you know, Instagram that tell you everybody can be a millionaire. Think of that because not everybody can be. But if you make a few changes that they never tell you about, have you heard any of that from these guys? Have you heard about those three things that I told you from any of those people that you're, you're in that self-improvement space? Have you heard any of those three techniques for a normal person to change their life like that? No, that's why we wanted to have you on here today. <laughs> that was smooth. I like that. <laughs> well, hey, that's the truth. And I, I would say as you look the whole climate of this, that's that's some great um, information for everyone out there. And I know that we've used the the house one on our, our mortgage and, and paid it down a lot quicker. Is is people are going through a lot of this stuff, you know, that's it's gonna affect them mentally. What's what's your recipe for people to strengthen themselves? and their mental health while they're trying to get through these economic hardships that they're going through? Well, the first thing I would say is take ownership, okay? Take ownership, stop the blame game, take ownership for those circumstances. The next thing is if you take ownership, it's easier to take action. If you look at your statement and say, why the hell am I spending you know, $120 on fast food a month or a week? Why am I doing that? And then start using discipline. And, and discipline is goal setting, right? And evaluation. And, you know, it's interesting. We just came off of the 1st of January, and that's where most Americans set resolutions. And by the 17th through the 21st, they're already failing on them. And the first thing is because goal setting is not a resolution. Goal setting is something that makes sense, that's inside of your belief system. If you set a goal that doesn't match your belief system, then you will never, ever hit it. But if you set a goal and you say, I would love to be able to help my child with college, and that goal starts now, you'll be able to help your child with college, even if you start small. And knowing that that statement can change and evolve is important. But then you start taking steps and you see the results. Remember I said that it's really important to be able to see results because then it feeds your ability to reinforce the goal. Remember when I said, hey, look, if it's $60 a month at the end of the year, you have $720 and you can see it. Or if you're investing 301, 3% of your income and somebody matches it at the end of the year on your statement, you can see it. That positive reinforcement is critical to discipline. So. Once you set the goal, 
you put yourself in a situation where you can have small wins that become bigger wins. It doesn't have to mean I'm going to save a thousand dollars a month because most families can't do that. But if you come up with a way to save $300 a month in most budgets, that's a pretty big deal. And so you can see it, it reinforces it. The next thing I'll tell you about discipline is when you make a mistake and you go out to eat, don't say this will never work because that's what happens with most Americans. They say, see, it didn't work. Instead, forgiveness is the most important part of discipline. If you say, oh crap, we shouldn't have done that. You did it on Friday night. On Saturday, you say, oh, we shouldn't have done that. We blew our goals. You, no, you go, you know what? We shouldn't have done that but I'm not going to let it take me off my goal. I'm going to forgive myself for making that mistake, reassure myself that I won't do it again and get back on track. Forgiveness. You know, when people talk about discipline, they never talk about forgiveness. I've studied discipline, you know, from martial arts to everything I engage in and all my goal setting that I teach and what I followed through with personally. But I know that every once in a while, I'll drop the ball. I'll forgive myself and get back on the horse immediately. So it's only a little blip, not a change in direction. Here's the next thing I'll tell you, and then I'll drop it. When you're evaluating your goals, you have to do it positively. And there's four questions, and you've heard these questions over and over again. Number one, what did I do right? Okay. And I would say in that instance with the dinner, I'd say, you know, for five nights, we didn't do that. So we only blew it one night. Number two, what did we do wrong? We shouldn't have went out to eat. This is why it threw us off our budget. Analyze it. Number three, what are we going to change? And so you say, obviously, well, don't go out to eat, right? But I always ask question four, and this is the one that will help you not make the same mistake again. And that is, if I make this change, what do I anticipate from that change? And if you just say, I won't go out to eat again, it will happen again. Instead, I would say, you know, we drove by our favorite restaurant and we got weak and we went into it. So next week, we don't drive by the restaurant anymore. We remove that temptation. That question number four made the choice of number three much better. So it's not about we're not going to go out to eat. It's about, you know what? We got tempted. Let's not drive by there anymore. We won't get tempted. Let's drive by a crappy neighborhood so we'll get home faster to eat at home. And that sounds like a simple, simple way to look at it. But if you evaluate all your goals with those four questions, you make progress. You know, I'm, I'm laughing because you can apply that to everything. And that's really what I've done. If, you know, as you're walking through that on the financial end, the last time we saw each other, I've, um, I, I lied to myself. I said, I'd never get over 200 pounds. And you know, I did for a short period. And uh, since I got back from England, I, I've been, you know, doing over 10,000 steps a day, you know, some days as many as I think it was 14 miles on one day. And that's a combination of walking and running and I'm hitting the gym every day. The funny thing is, is, uh, is you're telling that from the financial aspect. Uh, my girlfriend, she's uh, she's tiny. She eats a lot, and she just has a different metabolism and burns it up. And the other day, as I'm jogging to the gym, you know, I send her a message, and I'm like, "Hey, I I can just feel you're having an amazing day." She's a, she goes, "Oh, you know I am," and she sends me a picture from Cold Stone Creamery of she's eating ice cream. She goes, "You want some?" I said, "No." And you know, is she might have dessert after we have dinner some of these nights, I'm like, 
No, I, I'm good. And will I have dessert again? Absolutely. However, I've established some parameters for me as I, you know, kind of in, engage and indulge in those things. So I, I, I think. Well, you're absolutely right. In, in every facet of your life, goal setting is the same. And the way that you approach it is the same. Those core four questions can apply to everything, even your spiritual life, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. With everything, you know, is digital currency, crypto has been kind of blowing up. With all that going on in the gig economy, with people doing more contract work and people not working full time, how do you see that really changing the landscape of personal finance in the next five to 10 years? Well, I think that uh, you'll see more people understand that they have the flexibility to make more. I see the troubling aspect of that is the government getting involved already to limit that ability by making uh, employers who subcontract treat those gig economy people as full-time employees. Well, as soon as they do that, two people lose, right? The employer lose because they have to spend 30% more on benefits to somebody that doesn't really give them 40 hours a week traditionally. Secondly, if you're going to pay that subcontracted employee as a full-time employee, you're going to lose the ability to want to do that. So you're going to have less contractors. That's by design. The government loses control when people can find different ways out of the ordinary to make money. And if you're, I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on, you do not want the government controlling how you can make a living for obvious reasons. It's like I said, you know how many Americans now have side hustles to make ends meet, right? So they have their regular job, but then they have to do side hustles. Well, that's been around for a long time. And let me tell you, things aren't any worse than they've ever been. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you some stats right now to tell people to quit being wimps. Number one, in the 50s, the average work week was 70 hours. You know what it is as of last year? 34. 34. 34. So people aren't working as hard as they used to. But that being said, that's because they want to have more flexibility in their lives. I don't have a problem with that. But they should have a problem with the government coming up with regulations to limit that. So the gig economy, if we don't put a stop to it, the government's going to regulate that to the point where it doesn't have the tremendous upside it should. It should have a tremendous upside. People should have the ability to work with different people. You know, one of the things that I love about my job, and I've told you this, coming from corporate America and doing this job, I get to pick who I work with. That's a beautiful thing. It keeps my energy up. It keeps me wanting to do better, do more, and give you better information. It doesn't trap me. So the gig economy offers that to more people while they're in their productive years. And so I think we have to be mindful of what the government is trying to do at a federal level and the state level. California has already passed laws to really curtail it. The Department of Labor under uh, Joe Biden as of two weeks ago is looking at doing the same thing. It's really important that your listeners understand what's going on behind the scenes because they're not telling them what's going on. And so you brought up the gig economy. I think it's great. I think it can have an enormous benefit. I think it gives us an opportunity to create wealth that we never had before. And we should embrace that because it gives us creativity. It gives us 
excitement. It gives us the ability to deal with people that we choose to deal with. All of those are outside the traditional parameter. If we look at the school systems, they were designed to produce employees. That's what they were designed for way back in the 1800s. And so guess what they're designed for now? Employees that have structured thoughts based on what the teachers and the government want them to think. That's not America. I'm telling you right now, that's not America. And we better wake up and make some good choices. What um, There needs to be more financial literacy out there for everyone. And there's only so much of, of you to go around for everyone. What would advice would you give our listeners on the best way to, to improve their financial literacy and, and just understand things more? What resources? It's funny because I'm a proponent of financial literacy in schools and the school districts won't let me teach it. Even though I have a program that's been approved and supported by the Federal Reserve. And, and it's, they've given all of the tutelage to do that, but they know in retrospect that the schools will never allow that because of the unions and because of that premise that I just told you about. So that being said, there are a lot of credit unions and banks right now that have courses available to teach teenagers and children how to start saving and use money. If you're a parent, the YWCA and the YMCA have credit counseling courses that do not require you to turn over to consumer credit counseling, which I wouldn't recommend, but they talk about budgeting. They talk about the harms of credit cards and the decision to make uh, good financial decisions. You know, there's radio shows out there and without Without saying anything in particular, I know that Dave Ramsey has a show out there that preaches some similar things that I preach, and they do it on a regular basis so you can learn nuances and stuff. Now, I'm not telling you you need to do that. I'm just saying that there are options available if you so choose to learn about financial literacy. You know, one thing that we have in our life now that we didn't have before, in 1981, I chose to go into computer science. And they got a new computer in 1981. It was called a cyber. It was the same thing that Saudi Arabia bought for their defense. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go there. It's a building, right? And I had to do uh, punch cards to do my program. You know what we have today? We have this little thing called a cell phone. And it has more computing capability than that building did in 1981. And you know what Americans use it for? TikTok to laugh at people and to see people scantily clad and, and to look at, you know what's on here though? If you look up financial literacy on Google, you're probably going to get 2 million responses. It's going to take you a little effort and maybe some discipline to hit it and read it. Amazing information today. I think we've gone in a lot of different directions. As we wrap things up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think they... Uh... I know I got just a huge brain dump of stuff here. You know, Todd, uh, I didn't know where we were going to go today and neither did you. Um, the one blessing I have is that uh, I'm a learner still today and uh, I'm also a teacher in my heart. So I love to teach. So whenever I can, I can. But one thing that you do much better than I do and that your listeners should be grateful for is you teach mindset and, and mindset and positive outlook combined with the information that I gave today is a powerful step forward for people to take when they look at their debts and they say, how are we going to get to next month? And how are we going to get to next month? And then you say, look, first things first, be a man, 
be positive, or be a woman, be positive, take ownership for your mistakes, and then look for that first incremental change. If it's using one credit card and getting all the cash back I can from it and paying it off every month, and then liquidating the next credit card with the extra money I have, and then liquidating the next credit card. And every month, bring your family together at the dinner table and say, you know, we didn't go to Red Robin this month, but guess what? We owe $1,000 less on our credit cards and celebrate that and have everybody at the table celebrate it. Because when everybody's in tune with the family getting better, you have a lot less resistance. You don't have the kids saying, can we go to McDonald's? Because they know that in the end, it's not McDonald's that's going to change your life. It's the fact that in three years, you're going to be able to put $1,000 away a month to help them in college. And if they can see that and you give that to them and you give them that positive mindset, it's just like in business, right? alignment. If everybody's in line with the direction that you want to go, it helps, especially with the family. When your kids support you with whatever you're doing, you feel like Superman or Superwoman. You do when they support you, but they can't support you if you don't teach them and give them some understanding of why you're doing it. Not just because, oh, dad's mean. He's not like, no, dad's looking out for our future. Dad cares about us more than anything we could do, or mom cares about us more than anything we can do. So not discipline, not the techniques, but discipline, the techniques, alignment, and your family operating as one with those goals in mind. And then celebrating the wins and getting support when you lose a day, forgiving yourself and getting back on the winning track. You know, that's what I talk about for today. And like I said, you're a lot better at helping people get to that mindset. So they should be grateful to have you because I know that sometimes when we're talking, I garner a lot about mindset from you and the way to be positive and how you get through tra trauma. And I've had that. And I think that we're all stronger when we live through a trauma. I've had a lot of them. And if you look at it as an, a normal American, which I was, and, and I'm glad that I'm in this country because there's opportunity to be better today more opportunity than before. And people need to focus on that and look for those opportunities. Well, I love that. And a, a couple of the little, little things there to celebrate. I, it took me years and years and years to really celebrate my accomplishments. The unity of the family, beautiful, magnificent. And, and I preach a lot about you know, self-care, forgive, self-forgiveness, and really loving yourself first. I'm a completely different human being, a, you know, a version of I was, you know, five or 10 years ago. Um, I'm not going to give everyone your personal cell phone number, um, but in all seriousness, what is the best way for you, for our listeners to reach out to you if they want to talk to you about YBL or any of the other services that you do? Um, you know, I have uh, an Instagram page and it's uh, DJ underscore crusade. Um, and then I have my Facebook page, which is Dean Ennis. And, uh, you know, I look at both of those. I'm not tremendously active on social media, but if they go to the uh, YBL Now uh, Instagram page, they get a lot of flavor of what I do individually through the company. And uh, if they go to uh, the YouTube 
channel for YBL now, then they can get an idea of what we do from the YouTube channel. You know, I, I look at it this way. There's opportunities uh, for people to learn. And, uh, you know, I share certain things with uh, people that communicate with me. So I try and do that. Everyone, Dean Ennis with um, YBL, strategist, economist, coach, martial artist. This guy, um, if you ever get to meet him, he's a badass. We've got, I'll tell you what, Dean is just the first of some amazing speakers we've got coming on. As we touched on education, we've got um, someone in the coming weeks that is actually working on changing the way we get education out to our kids today, because we're not teaching the right stuff in school anymore. You know, one of the episodes coming up is common sense isn't so common anymore. We've got to wake up America and change some things and we're just not doing it. However, with just uh, starting to just make those little incremental shifts, we can get there. And um, I'm, I'm excited because Clark uh, Bartram is going to be on uh, one of the upcoming episodes. We just spoke the other day and this dude is is like he's like 10 years older than me and it's he he's in unbelievable health so it's it's an amazing year and this is a great way uh to kick off this season thank you dean ennis and uh, we'll talk to everyone soon thanks so much thank you todd thanks for joining us at the right intention if you enjoyed today's episode Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me anywhere at Todd Tanoni. If you want to contact me directly, you can reach out to me at toddtanoni.com. Together, we can create a ripple effect of positive change in the world. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.